0: Welcome to The Josh Ryan Show, a weekly podcast where I sit down and chat with highly successful digital entrepreneurs, experts, and creators to uncover their stories, secrets, and lessons that they've learned along the way to help you with your own projects. Let's get into today's interview. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, I am joined by Ben Levitt, who is a fellow YouTuber at almost 100,000 subscribers, a podcaster and founder of a marketing agency working with clients to grow and monetize their YouTube channels. Welcome to the show, man.
1: Yeah, Josh. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to top it up today. I know we have we talk all the times back and forth via text and DMs and stuff, but I'm excited to chat in person.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely do. It's uh, awesome to have you. So, tell um the listeners a little bit about how you got started in entrepreneurship
1: and digital marketing in general yeah so i have kind of a weird story for the creator side but for entrepreneurship i started at a very young age that was something that really came really naturally to me i would say i was just before being an entrepreneur became really cool so when i was growing up and doing different hustles and flipping things it was really viewed as like weird Uh, even my parents like my dad would like sometimes be like oh like what what are you selling today kind of thing like making fun of me um but it was always just something that i was very naturally drawn towards and uh, i was lucky that at least that kind of that change kind of happened and i found some content creators that really showed me oh like this isn't weird this is a viable path this is cool uh but i put that on the back burner because i was a football player american football for uh so not soccer and so that was my life that was my focus until i had career ending injuries so then when that happened you really as an athlete forced to reassess yourself, see what you care about because you just lost your whole identity. And with that being football, I went back and was just thinking, what are the things that make me feel as good as football did? And it just kept coming back again and again. It was the entrepreneurship stuff. It was when I was running my little side businesses. It was when I started business with my friends, started hustles, flipping things. So I went back to that drawing board and I always had been a longtime consumer of social media content and thought that as someone who didn't have a lot of money or connections, that that's the route I would have to go eventually when my football career was over to meet where my entrepreneurial goals were. Uh, And so that just kinda got fast-tracked because of the loss of football. And more specifically, I tore my ACL while playing football and that's a very traumatic injury. So when I went to look for answers, I went to the first place everyone else goes to, which is YouTube. And through doing that, the, the videos were just so bad and, on all, all levels. They were poor production quality, the information was bad, everything was just trash. So I thought, okay, this is the universe pushing me into the social media space for my own stuff. Because I had messed around with things before like that weren't branded by me. So I decided to put my face out there, put my name out there. And that was the first few videos on my channel were actually about uh, like fitness and then my ACL reconstruction. So definitely wildly different from where we are now, but that's the origin story. Yeah. I,
0: I don't know if I've actually seen those videos of yours on your channel, but I definitely remember you talking about that in, in previous videos, um, which is yeah. why well, how much the niche has changed.
1: Yeah. I, I've since un, unlisted them just because how YouTube works, which I'm sure you know about too, is that when someone watches a video and if they really liked it, YouTube wants to show you, the, like show them your best performers. And so since those views, those videos had a ton of views, someone would come to my channel looking for social media advice. And then the next video they'd be recommended was an ACL <laughs> video. And then they just leave and never come back. So I've since unlisted them collectively. They have almost a million views across like seven or eight videos, but, uh, they just weren't helping me with my channel. So I took them down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and with entrepreneurship, I guess in general, like it seems like that's a very common, um, sort of thing that a lot of people have done something at a young age. Like it's something that's almost just been natural within them as opposed to get to 18, 19, 20, want to make a lot of money and they choose on, it's almost like, yeah. Just something that naturally um, comes to them. Um, and then, so what sort of, I guess, was the timeline with when you started creating YouTube videos to going full time with it?
1: Yeah. So, that whole story is, is a, a really good lesson there because, so I started creating videos while I was in school because I was hoping that if I started now and I had a long enough time runway that I'd eventually figure it out by the time I was leaving school, or so I hoped. And that's definitely not how it went because. Believe it or not, the uh, ACL niche is not very profitable, <laughs> so I wasn't uh, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't making much money or any at all. And then luckily, by the closer to the end of school, I was already running a marketing agency on the side, and I started making, I kind of had a light bulb moment where I was, was like, why don't I make videos about this? Uh, usually when things come to you, it's obvious in the moment, but for whatever reason, it didn't come to me until then. So I started making content like that, and luckily that started to work, and so... Well, the transition between just creating and then going full-time was realizing that, okay, I don't want to have a full-time job. I knew that, but I had school debt and I was graduating very soon. So that was something I was going to have to have for a certain amount of time. So what I did is I worked backwards from the problem. The problem wasn't a follower's problem. The follower, the problem was a money problem. So I then sought out opportunities to supplement the income that I would need from a job to pay off my bills and as well as my loans. And I went that through a service-based business, which I think is the best low overhead to no overhead business for someone to get started. And then I also leveraged things beyond that could work beyond my time, which is YouTube and affiliate marketing. So I basically worked backwards from that and made a focus of, okay, if I grind really hard right now on some videos that have high potential lifetime return from an affiliate perspective, when I wake up in a year from now, then maybe I won't need to have my job. And that's essentially exactly what happened. When I started to double down on that approach, within about a year, a year and a half from affiliate marketing, I was making as much, if not more than my full-time job was paying me. And so uh, I was going to quit anyways, but then the pandemic happened. So they had to fire me, which worked out. And uh, yeah. yeah, so that the time was about a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I think,
0: um, I know you, you went viral with a TikTok, somewhat explaining, uh, that idea of, of affiliate marketing, but it's such a underrated thing. Like you said in that TikTok. Um, It's crazy, dude. Of creating searchable content and linking affiliate products.
1: Yeah. It's insane, man. And if you take the right approach, which obviously you're doing tremendously well on your channel, like there's just so many avenues to do it in a very predictable way, which I think is one of the very few things that once you build the skill set can be predictable from a social media perspective. Like a lot of other things take so many skills, so much time and like a lot of nuance to go viral, but you don't need to go viral when you're taking this really sniper approach. And that's why I'll be launching a course all about that, just because I've seen how like a month or two worth of work, plus all the information that I had accumulated over time, resulted in me being able to leave my full-time job. And even if you don't wanna leave your full-time job, a few, an extra few grand or even more coming in a month passively is potentially life-changing for a lot of people.
0: 100%, especially if you pair it up with some sort of high, high-ticket high service or sure. coaching or consulting or whatever, Like you. Reference earlier. Like Mm -hmm. if you create videos of how to build a website using this tool and that tool and all these little things, and then you affiliate for those tools and you offer a service, like you can go full-time with a
1: few thousand subscribers. Like it's crazy. Yeah. And that's the thing. I'm sure you get this all the time where you get questions of like, oh, why won't my channel blow up? And so many people, I always ask, why do you want to blow up? And oftentimes they'll say they want to be rich or they want money. Maybe it's not even rich. Maybe it's a few hundred thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars a year. And it's like, you can get there so much easier if you stop trying to go viral. Like that, that that is the biggest advice I would give is to figure out what is your actual goal? Because there are so many easier paths to get there likely than the one that you think you need to go down. And I get that question all the time. It's like, why can't I go viral? It's like, you don't need to go viral to achieve your goals.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of people out there with Half a million million followers that are like all over the show and not making anything, and then there's a bunch of people who've got a couple thousand and doing unbelievably well uh, financially.
1: Yes, dude, and that's so that's the the thesis of my whole agency really is that we only really take on clients that can fit that approach, and they they're cool to double down on that. So we really only take on high ticket, either info product sellers, so courses, coaches, etc., and then software companies, so SaaS products, just because. It's a, Again, that sniper approach, it's very predictable and the lifetime value of a customer is so high. So it's not that what the numbers are, it's what the numbers mean. So if you get a thousand people in there that are worth potentially thousands of dollars, don't need millions of people to make a big chunk of change. So I think it's just really figuring out what do you actually want? And then now let's create this path of least resistance to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's um That's definitely the way to go about it. Eh? Just even just... The idea of of consciously thinking about what you're trying to do, whatever the strategy is, whether it's that, or whether it's something else with social media, too many people just jump in, create something, but they don't actually think about, Hey, who am I trying to reach? What do they want? Like, what, like
1: just even thinking about that stuff in the first place. 100%. And I think I love that you said really from like a holistic point of view of what do you want for yourself? And then basically working backwards to create that reality, because we're so lucky and obviously we leverage it, but you can build almost any life you want with a bit of time and a good chunk of effort. So if you say, okay, what does this look like? If everything goes my way, then it becomes a series of steps. You're not really rolling the dice. It's a matter of getting reps. And then eventually things are going to work out because we have time and we have resources like social that can work far beyond our actual ability to to work, which is life-changing.
0: Yeah. It's an incredible opportunity that definitely more people uh, should be jumping in on. But, great for those who are, if there's not many people (laughs) now, similar to my channel, a lot of your videos and expertise is around Instagram marketing. Um, what would you say is like the core sort of handful of things that people should be focusing on if they want to grow on Instagram in uh, 2022?
1: That's a great question. And I think, uh, so it's so funny because it seems like the, the general consensus or whatever that means. It seems like a lot of people hate on Instagram now. And I honestly think it's one of the better times to be on Instagram that there ever has been, as long as you're willing to, to do the right things. Cause, and it's so funny. I have a video coming out of it soon where I have a lot of friends, especially in the business space who are doing way better on Instagram with reels than they are with TikTok. So much so that a few of them have just stopped posting on TikTok altogether. So I think it's a very exciting time to be on Instagram um, regardless of what you may think, but in terms of what I would focus on is really just follow the leader and the leader is obviously the platform themselves. So the best thing you can do is to focus on what they're focusing on. And so with, they're trying to make this more of a holistic platform and integrate more things like search and more ways to designate content. So the more specific and thoughtful you can be with all of the data points that they're assessing to really see what kind of content you are. And then in turn, who wants this content is a great way to put yourself ahead. So that comes down to optimizing your bio your messaging consistently, and then also like the tags that you're using and the kind of content you're covering. You can make Instagram's job easier. They're going to reward you for that, for one. Two, I would say it's what you referenced earlier, that deep understanding of who you're actually trying to target and on a very deep level. And this is something that people call a ton of different words. The one that I've heard a lot of as of late is like your ideal avatar. Like who is this person? Because when you truly understand these people, you can create what they need before they know that they need it. And that is how you become a magnet to the ideal people and your ideal customers. And you can't get that unless you put in the time to really go figure out these people. So I'd say that'd be the second thing is really understand who you're trying to reach. The third one would be one that's fairly obvious, and that's to be posting reels. This is not going away. And for those of you who are resisting the the jump, you got to stop. And and I actually released a a post. I don't don't know if it's live yet on TikTok, but I I said, I think people just love to complain. And I think Instagram's become kind of the scapegoat when it comes to social media because so long people are like, Oh, Instagram's not like the old days. Small accounts can't grow. And then reels come out and that's basically the solution to small creators' problems. And then they're now they're complaining that they have to make videos. It's like (laughs) you just can't please some people. So I think definitely be posting reels and video content. I think live is an underslept on uh, feature for building community. And if I had to give a fifth tip, I would say don't be afraid to start conversations yourself. I think a lot of people sleep on the messaging tools that Instagram offers for you to connect even from a business perspective. And, like, I understand that it's going to take some time for you to go find the right people to interact with their content or DM them, all that stuff. But uh, – Marketers 10 years ago or 12 years ago would have died for that opportunity where they could go find their yeah. ideal customer and communicate with them one-to-one. Like, that Like is absolutely insane. And you have that ability every single day on Instagram. And if you do it in an authentic way, it doesn't have to be weird. And it can really move the needle for your business and your brand and your page, especially if you give it time to grow. Because if you do this the right way, people aren't just going to follow you. They're going to become super fans and super customers. So those are the five things I would focus on on Instagram
0: today. 100%. I mean, you covered a lot of uh, really good points there. But specifically, I think the one that not many people talk about that you've just mentioned that is the mes- messaging feature, like, it's just unbelievable. Um, and that's the one thing that mostly other platforms don't have that even if you just use that on Instagram, it's like, so powerful, because YouTube is incredible for search content, viral content, building a relationship, but you can't message your audience, you can't mm-hmm. message someone who subscribes to you. You can't message as creator you like, and TikTok doesn't really have it. Like you can, but it's pretty bad and Facebook, you can kind of only really message your friends. So like
1: the by and large best way to connect with people is Instagram. it's like, yeah, that's so slept on. Yeah. Well, hundred percent. I would argue that Instagram out of all the social platforms is the best high level relationship management platform because of the messaging, the ability to send both video and audio messages. And to find these people in such a granular level, you can find exactly who you're trying to connect with. And everybody reads their DMs. I'm telling you that for sure. Uh, Everyone checks their DMs. So if you send a compelling enough message, they're going to see it and they're going to read it. So absolutely don't sleep on that opportunity. And also don't think that it's weird. And if anybody does feel like it's weird that you DM them, it's just a numbers game. You're playing that game every day you wake up and and you decide to take on life. There's going to be things that go well and things that don't. Uh, so just keep going and you'll find more that will fi- bring you success. And then you'll, you'll sharpen your approach and get more and more.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think most of the people that are putting themselves out there publicly and doing stuff that you would likely want to connect with, are not going to find it weird at all. Like no, who doesn't use social media much for business and just has 50 friends following them, probably a bit weird, but like, you're not trying to reach out to those people anyway, what would you say would be your best tip like your number one tip for reaching out to people and messaging them to actually get a response?
1: So I think this is huge for any kind of outreach on Instagram or otherwise. It needs to be personal and I think the deeper you can get at this to really understand the core of what someone represents is going to go so far in terms of getting the outcome that you want and I think also coming to it without expectations is huge. Because I think a lot of people they have this outcome in mind that's their sole focus. If you can come from a very authentic and value providing perspective, and that value could even just be acknowledging that what they're trying to get across is coming across through their content. And that could be enough to be value for that person where a conversation can then take place. But I think putting in the extra yep. time and effort to do that, if you feel comfortable, which I, I love voice messages, I think they're the more of the most impactful things, like we send them all the time, just because it's so personal. And I think the more that you can make any sort of interaction whether that be content or direct messaging on social, more human, the more successful it's going to be. Because although we're getting farther and farther apart in terms of like being physically together, we still crave that connection. And this is a great way to do it at scale using a tool like Instagram. So if you feel comfortable, hit that voice memo. It just allows people to feel tone, your personality, your energy, and that can progress things so much faster. So it'll get you a reply far more likely. uh, And it'll also progress the evolution of that relationship so much faster.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Voice messages are awesome. Um, especially once you have a relationship, like with someone, or once you've talked to someone a little bit and you've got a bit of rapport, um, for sure. Now moving on a little bit from Instagram, uh, into YouTube, which is also something you do a ton of what um, tell us a bit about sort of like what you're doing for clients to get awesome results. Obviously you don't have to go too in depth, but you know, the main few things that you do don't want to give away all your secrets, uh, that you say for clients, but yeah, to be yeah. getting
1: results in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. So YouTube is, although I'm most known for Instagram, I would say we, we do a lot more YouTube, especially within the agency. And even with my own personal assets, like I have a library of channels that is over double digits at this point. And um, some of them are faceless, some of them are faced, like it's, so we do we do a, a ton of YouTube, but for the agency specifically, it's that sniper approach, like we mentioned earlier, it's, that, it's, it's the companies that have high potential value of customers and a strong understanding of exactly who they're trying to reach. And then building out a content strategy that leverages YouTube best practices, but also their market best practices to create specifically for that person and really letting YouTube do its thing. So it's a combination of obviously building up some ranking authority within search. That's a very actionable thing that you can chip away at. And then also taking that a step further by trying to broaden out the scope of who your content can reach by incorporating more of these best practices on YouTube that will allow maybe a slightly broader audience to find your content through YouTube marketing. Like the stuff that you click on the homepage is a reason why it performs well there is because it's a little more mass interesting and it can get a click rather than a search. So I, I think that's a huge piece, and then also just figuring out the opportunities for what videos would move the needle. And I think one of the things that we're the best at is finding underserved areas on YouTube. And there's been a few clients that we've had where I could tell even when we onboarded them, they weren't fully sold. Like I think they kind of thought we had yeah. a little bit of a, like a fugazi going on. And then um, we we had like with three of the three that were kind of on the edge we all three of them had this light bulb moment because a video that we recommended based on the research was is now their highest performing video. And it's not even close. And all three of them fought me on the idea. Initially, they're like, I don't, I don't want to make that video. And I said, please just do it for me. And all three of them, it's now their highest performing video. So I think that's one thing that we're really good at. Yeah. How, how do you think, what's
0: a good suggestion for people trying to find those underserved, um, areas?
1: Yeah, I, I think, so much of this, and this is what I try to train all my team on, is it's the thought process behind the research that really can produce results. So it's thinking about, okay, as macro as possible, what is the current competition levels? What are people demanding? And what is, like, how does YouTube operate? So a good thing that I find is using the tools that are out there, but not using them as The be all end all. So I use a ton of different YouTube research tools, but I use them collaboratively and I also try to think like a human being because at the end of the day, I always use this analogy YouTube is a combination of a computer and then people. The computer will dictate what shows up on the screen, but a human being is clicking it. So if you don't hit both those points, you're not going to find success. So I think it's understanding that approach the entire way is going to be massive. But for a specific like nugget of what I look for, I try to find, if it's for search, I'll try to find keywords that maybe a little bit unorthodox that my, that my competitors may not be thinking of. And then when I go through and I look at them, I try to really break down the videos to see, okay, what angle can we take this to capture the true value? Because even if there's a video ranking for the search term, if it doesn't hit the value that I think the ideal viewer for that video would have wanted, there's still a massive opportunity there, especially if the videos are a year or older. So even if it's a very competitive search term, YouTube loves relevancy. So you could still rank for a wildly competitive search term if you make a better video and thumbnail than a massive channel. And so that even happened to me personally, one of my first breakthrough videos, I was ranking for the word podcasting for like a year as a tiny channel, which just go, which was crazy because for a while I would type in podcasting and my video would be ahead of Gary Vee and like all these massive players. Yeah. And I just said that right there is the power of YouTube. So it's really just breaking down all the information that you have and then combining that data with human beings' performance and and how they act and then meshing that together.
0: Yeah, that's a great point picking on the, um, trying to actually appeal to humans. Because at the end of the day, like algorithms are just measuring human interaction. Like it's not Instagram's algorithm hating your post. It is people not reacting to it. it, which Instagram, Instagram is... Like the algorithm figures out people aren't enjoying it through their own means, but as people not reacting to it, Instagram exactly. measures that, shows it to less people or YouTube, whatever um, platform. So exactly. it's definitely uh, very powerful. And that podcasting video of yours had like two hundred and something thousand views, right? Two three hundred. I think at this thousand. point it's
1: over three. I think maybe three thirty or something like that. But that was a huge, unreal shifting point in my channel because, and I'm, I'll make a video about this in the future where I basically like went viral for me at the time by accident. like I did so many things right at that time by accident that now I would instruct people to do with it. That was like four or five years ago at this point. So it's been quite a, a lot of time. But I think one thing that was a great lesson from that was that that moment can happen at any point, but it's what you do after that that dictates whether you can go full time at this and how successful you'll be at that. So when that happened and if that ever happens to someone watching this, You need to double down and use that as leverage as much as possible. And so what happened is right after I got that, I could see that there's a lot of people creating content in the podcast space, but almost none of it was performing well. So that meant I have a point of leverage now whenever I reach out to any podcast related brand. So I made a massive list and I reached out to every single one and included that as like the opening hook basically was look at this video. I I want to make more content. Almost everyone replied. And I worked with uh, most of them in a paid capacity. So I think that's a huge lesson there too, is roll with your wins because they can snowball. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Cause that you, you, you were applying the affiliate marketing side of things with that as well, correct? With the yeah, ex- ranking exactly. search, valuable video, affiliate link for, for relevant products all coming full circle. Um, now I know you touched on TikTok as well earlier. What mm-hmm. is your thoughts there? Cause I mean, a lot of people are saying like, Instagram's dying, TikTok's taking over. I know you touched on that earlier with, you know, what you're talking about, but, um, yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. So I view all these social platforms kind of like, probably like a a parent views their children. Like, I, I don't think they're like, I don't have a favorite. I just understand that objectively, there are better and worse things that each platform has. I think a huge mistake that people make is trying to make a platform into something that it's not. And so for all the amazing things that TikTok has, which would be still super high organic reach, a very quick ability to grow an audience and to gain some authority within a space, it also has a lot of drawbacks too, that if you're not creative and proactive with complementing the drawbacks, like we've said, you can have millions of followers and be making no money because the creator, whatever they call it, uh, I don't, we don't have it in Canada, so I don't remember what it's called, but where they pay for videos. Do you remember what that's called? Some, something fun, creative fun, is it? Creative, Yeah, creator fun is exactly what it is. And so that's, yeah. that pays like nothing. So if that's your route to monetization. That's a huge issue. And I think the problem with this is that a lot of people on there are just trying to be like creators, but they ha- they're not adapting the fact that a creator in a today's day and age also needs to be a business. And so if you're not thinking like that, or at least having someone in your corner who is thinking like that, you're leaving so much on the table because like being a business right now and it is slowly getting better. You're like fighting the core nature of what makes TikTok so successful because to drive a business transaction for you, you you're fighting what TikTok is the best in the world at, which is people, which is making people consume something else and keeping them on TikTok. So for you to monetize off that you're fighting something that is, was truly life-changing from TikTok. So you have to really be thoughtful about that, put in the time and think about what this traffic means. What they did so well is they reduced friction for creation, which led to way more content and way more creators. But also with that, a lot of creators aren't thinking long term in terms of what this could be. I think there will be a huge shift and I'm glad that people like myself and like you are educating people on the necessity of doing that if you want to turn this traffic into a business because it does hold so much value. So I think uh, still a huge believer in TikTok. I think if you haven't started there, you should. But understand that it is also, it's quite nuanced in, in how people consume. A lot of people just say, oh, vertical video is vertical video, but I study these platforms all the time. And there's a wild difference between what performs on shorts, what performs on TikTok and what performs on reels. It is so strange, but what people will and won't consume or what won't perform is dramatically different. So I think that people who are winning on each platform understand how nuanced they are and they create accordingly.
0: Yeah, exactly. and, and, touching on what people like consume, like it, it is so different. Like if someone, I think it's almost like the mindset someone's in when they're on a certain platform, like if yes. you post a three minute video on Instagram, it's probably gonna do pretty bad unless it's like incredibly engaging. Yeah. Whereas you can post a three minute video on YouTube and people will click on it and watch the whole thing. It's probably even too short almost. Cause people expect an eight to a 15 minute video there on Instagram. They expect a, short post, 10 second reel, whatever. And so trying to put a three minute video on is like wild. Um, But yeah, it does seem like on TikTok, great for reach, uh, but you do have to build another place to contact that audience, email list, Instagram, YouTube, whatever.
1: Yes, absolutely. Definitely leverage while the traffic is there because that will diminish over time as it becomes more competitive, as there's less to go around, as they sophisticate their advertising, but it's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, which a lot of people make it out to be.
0: Yeah. Um, and as I guess more people create content, it just lowers the reach for everyone else Mm, on the platform, assuming it's not growing. Um, now moving a little bit outside of, I guess, social media specifically, one thing that I love what you've done, um, and I think you've done a pretty good job of it is, is starting to put like a team together to help you get results, whether it be for your clients, for your own stuff, uh, like having editors and, and building a whole team around, uh, what you do, what would be your best advice for creators that want to do that? Bring on one or two or three people to sort of help them free up their time to do what they do best.
1: Yeah. That's a massive problem for a ton of people and great, great way that you positioned it too. I think there's two major pro tips that I would give there. The first one would be what I did when I started to tackle the money problem through affiliate marketing and if you can find some sort of baseline that you have everything taken care of, things become so much less risky. So that's why I love, that's why I love my affiliate marketing revenue streams because if all else failed tomorrow, I could not work, whatever. And I'm still very much taken care of. So I think if you can start to build those up, that's a great starting point. And then also I would say have the conviction and the belief in what you're building to take on the risk of bringing on more people because it is a risk but as a as a as a creator you should really only be focusing on or even the business owner you should only be focusing on what you are uniquely good at and i always say this to my friends like what are you world class at everything else don't do it because it doesn't make sense when you could probably find someone and if you do enough digging probably find someone who believes in the vision and is affordable that is world class so although you're stuck in this mindset of like oh i don't want to spend the money it could actually be a massive opportunity cost because of what you could have done with that time focusing on what you're world class at. And it's a, it's a huge, it all comes down to, to, to the psychology of money. And that's actually a book that I just read, which I, I highly recommend. And it's so true. It's all about how we approach money and not about what's actually transpiring. So I think that'd be the biggest advice that I'd have is actually have the conviction to jump in and do so in a way that you can. Obviously don't, don't go hire someone who's going to like put you into debt, but as scary as it is, bring on people, whether that's someone who's a a VA in the Philippines or wherever, start with what you can, because anything's gonna be scary. And then understand that it is actually going to move the needle tremendously if if it lets you focus on what you're uniquely good at more so. So those would be my two biggest points.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. And it doesn't have to be like someone working 40 hours a week uh, in your town either, like could be an hour a day virtual assistant. In the philippines like you say that exactly takes a little bit off your plate
1: yeah Um, a great exercise for that sorry to cut you off there is uh it's like literally write down everything that you ever have to do and then assign it a time that it takes and then also a rating in terms of two things your skill set and how much you enjoy it and so and then that will make a massive indication of what you should outsource immediately and then uh like what you may want to keep on for yourself
0: yeah and potentially also what um, value that task, I guess, has as far as how much you could outsource it for. Um, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Because if you're spending all day trying to reply to emails and you could outsource it for 10 bucks an hour to yeah. record videos or to consult people for a hundred dollars an hour, like no brainer. you got to work on that pretty quickly.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Awesome, man. Um, I think far, we've covered a lot here in 30 minutes <laughs> compared to um, Yeah, we've gone over heaps here, but uh, one of the, I guess, final ones that I want to go over is quickly touch on the agency side of things. You said that that was one of, like, your biggest piece of advice for people was to create, like, an agency or to to sell some sort of services. What um, advice do you have for people who are looking to do that, to start an agency, sell services?
1: Yeah great route to go, especially if you don't have the money, which I definitely didn't. I, when I started my business, I was, I had negative money, like on my credit card, everything. I, yeah. was, I was broke, 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 but that's the beauty of it. And so I would, I would have a few tips that come with that. i say the first one would be to become a specialist because, and so an example of that could be mine, where I would try to be a general full service marketing agency, which became an absolute nightmare, which I'll explain in a minute. And then now we are niche down into basically exclusively social or from an organic perspective and almost exclusively YouTube for a spe- very specific client set. The more that you do that, the more you can refine your process, the less competition you have, and the more that you can charge. You just make your life tremendously easier that way. The second would be make sure the people that you're selling to can actually pay you what you wanna make and don't fall into the trap of looking at a potential, audience, or a potential customer pool, which I see happen so frequently and I made the exact same mistake. And it, the people go through this path and I see it happen like hundreds of times a week. It's actually crazy. People start a business for services and they always go local small businesses. They're like, that's who we're going to serve. That is almost a nightmare yeah. client. Like that is almost the worst client you could possibly have because you are going to have to be so much for that business. They are not going to have like, likely, in most cases, a lot of spare cash. And they're going to be very on you because you're probably the only contractor they're really working with. So you can't really expand off of that. So I think that is another thing that you really have to make sure is that your, your customer fits the life and business that you want to build. And then the third would be to really refine your, your knowledge and your processes, because at the beginning, it's going to be all you, but if you can become a, a unique source of like thinking, which is essentially where we are now, like we are really good because I've built out basically my brain into assets that I can bring people on at so much lower of a cost that I would require. And they can basically develop my thought process when making their skill-driven decisions to, do, to deliver an outcome. And that's done by spending so much time being meticulous with walking through every single detail of things. And I use a tool like Loom, or actually I'm cheap, so I use a, an alternative called BerryCast because it's cheaper. But uh, <laughs> it's like the same sort of premise. And to literally go through in any task that someone would have to do on my team, I walk through it, how I would do it, explaining over the top, the thought process of every single decision. Because again, it's it's the thought and the way of thinking that brings to an action that's gonna dictate success or failure. So I think that's the biggest thing is building out your systems and processes and keeping your overhead low at the beginning would be my, my biggest points if you're trying to start a service-based business.
0: Yeah, that that's again, a ton of valuable insights there, especially, I mean, I need to work on processes and stuff a bit more, but- we all um, do.
1: You yeah, all do. But yeah. one other note for the business piece too is so many people fall victim, and I've done this three or four times myself, to thinking that you need a business partner. And especially for a business like this, you definitely don't need a business partner. You can find talent that you outsource to, that you pay an hourly or retainer rate. But if you do take on a partner or somebody else, make sure, and I'm going to stress this, make sure you have complementary skills. So many times, people will be yeah. like minded and almost have the same skill set, and then they start a business together. That is so stupid. And I've done it so many times where eventually you look around and you're like, we're both doing the same job. And then that usually creates some sort of friction and it usually collapses the business. So don't think you need someone to partner with to start. And if you do partner with someone or with people, ensure that there is actually complementary skill sets there to warrant equity that you're going to give to someone else or the money you're going to give to someone else.
0: One hundred percent. Like they usually say like one person sells, one person builds, you know, salesperson, service provider. Exactly. Not the, not two of the same. Otherwise it's just going to be a mess.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Which often can be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And definitely agree with you on like, not going, not going for the same like local businesses that everyone goes for. I think the other sort of thing around that, that a lot of people don't sort of think about is if you're coming in to work with a local business and you're on their Facebook ads, they might not have a website. They might not have all of these things. And so you you have to, like, your, your Facebook ads won't be getting results because they don't have the follow-up in place. They don't have the website in place. They don't have the offers in place. Whereas if you target someone that's got all of that perfected and all you have to do is send them traffic using YouTube or TikTok or whatever, and it's going to convert, like, amazing, like, you can provide the exact same service and get... 10 times the results just because they've got the back end in place which is so crucial and can be like night and day difference
1: and i don't know if people listening or watching this understand how much value josh just dropped there because that is absolutely critical because sometimes your success will be dependent on who you're selling to and and who you're serving and that's you you don't want everyone to be your client because that's going to make a nightmare environment for you you want to be wildly selective and that's at the point where we are now where we only work with very few people that makes so much sense, that are the dream cut client. And when you first start your business, you're like, I have to take on anyone. And that to a degree, that's true. But you're gonna reach a point where you actually have a perfect client and you're gonna be like, wow, they exist. It's like a unicorn, you think, but yeah. they actually are out there if yeah. you build your business in a way that allows for you to serve those people. Yeah,
0: 100%. Cause yeah, that exact same service for the right person can just do incredible things. You can then charge considerably more Get much better results. 100%. Like it's just, it's the difference between succeeding and failing with the exact same services who yes, you sell ex- to.
1: Exactly. It's so funny because you're doing the yeah. same thing anyway. So why not get paid more and have less stress?
0: Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. But glad it seems like there's a lot of people pushing that message. So hopefully more people start to pick up on it. Yes, yes. Actually follow through with it, which is good to see. Exactly. Now, to sort of wrap things up, what would be your best advice, I guess, to your younger self and, 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 young people in general that are looking to get into business, social media, etc. That's
1: a, a big question. The biggest. Yeah. Take your time with it. Yeah. I appreciate that. Cause it's definitely a lot to unpack. If I were to think back, I would say that compared to others, I probably cared less about what other people thought, but I still could have cared even less. And I think that would have propelled me far further, far faster. So I think really adopting the understanding that what matters right now probably won't matter in two or three years. So if that's the case, don't let it stop a decision that could take you where you want to go in two or three years. So I think, I think that would be a big piece of advice. I would say keep failing, because that's something that I've always done was just tried things and then been okay with failing. I think that's, Really really cool, and then the other advice I would give is within business, listen to your body because when you're doing something that that makes you physically feel good, it's a very strong indication that you should probably be doing more of that, especially if it's driving business results and creating real tangible value don't don't let that slide by, really pay attention to that and double down yeah. on that because there's there will be moments as you go and you sample everything where that will happen and I think people think that there could always be Like, oh, I'll love this and I'll love this and I'll love this. But you may let something slip by if you don't really double down on that and see, could I build something from this bigger than myself? And the other thing would be to leverage what you have right now, which is time. So time for experimentation. Then also because you're so much younger, you have the opportunity to even greater leverage the time horizon that these platforms allow you to have, because we know very well that YouTube video we make today can be making video years down the line. Well, if you're even younger... If you're 18, you make a video today or or some sort of asset that lives beyond your t- working hours, then who knows where that could take you. And then the final point would be try to develop a skill set that does not get compensated in relation to how much time it takes to execute, rather on how much value it creates. The earlier you start thinking like that, the earlier you're going to start allowing your skill set and your money to compound, and then you're going to live a life where you get to play it however you want. Yeah. That is so.
0: I love that last tip um, around just yeah building a skill set where you're paid based on the value, not so much hours worked. For um, sure, incredible. Awesome, man. Um, this has been such a good episode, and really appreciate your time coming on here. Where can um, people find more about you? I know you've got a ton of stuff going on, so I'll link it all below. But. Yeah, where can uh, where can people find you?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on, man. It's always a, a pleasure to chat. I love bouncing ideas off you all the time, so it was awesome to do it in a, in a recorded environment. So thanks so much once again. And yeah. so if you're listening to this, you're probably big up into Instagram. And I'm actually completely shifting up my main YouTube channel strategy, which... Uh, Maybe we can talk about it in a future episode but uh so if you're looking for content more about instagram strategy you can follow my new my new youtube channel dedicated to that which is called insta academy and it is live now we only have one video on there but by the time this goes live there'll probably be more uh if you want to connect with me you can go to instagram TikTok, or youtube just at ben levitt and there is going to be the business information if you want to email me or dm me or whatever but uh if you just search my name it's not very hard to find me um there's not that many yep. Levitts out there spelt the same way so you should be yeah,
0: yeah lucky man um don't quite have How that luxury not so much <laughs> there's a few yeah awesome man i will link those down below definitely go check out um that new channel because i'm sure the content on there is going to be top tier absolutely man